You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. I welcome you back to The Bill Bennett Show, a special episode on 9-11 and remembering 9-11. Thank you for joining us. A lot of memories of 9-11, a lot of people to remember. I remember those guys on Flight 93 that went down in Shanksville, Todd Beamer. Let's roll. Got a little sign up in my office that says let's roll. Think about those children who uh, from D.C. public schools and the schools where my wife was working, their program, who got on a plane to San Diego to attend the National Geographic program there. And that plane went into the Pentagon. A lot of people to remember. You know, I think, uh, Claude, of those uh, people and those pictures will stay in my head forever, jumping out of the towers. A couple of them uh, grabbed uh, cloths, tablecloths, thinking they could... Uh, Turn them into parachutes on the way down from the 80th floor. Not so. The cloths were ripped out of their hands almost instantaneously. And they uh, fell to their deaths. Uh, When they hit the ground, uh, they were going 150 miles an hour. Jump would last 10 seconds. And uh, they plummeted to their pulverization. But not the employees of Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley's security chief was a guy named Rick Rescorla. On that day, Islamic terrorists murdered nearly 3,000 people in the worst terror attack on American soil in American history. Changed the lives of Americans forever, and we will never forget. But out of the destruction came the stories of real American heroes, men and women who triumphed over evil, even the darkest hour. And one of those men was Rick Rescorla. And there might have been a whole lot more dead people, including most of the employees of Morgan Stanley, were it not for Rescorla. At 8.46 a.m. on September 11th, American Airlines Flight 11 struck the World Trade Center Tower Number 1. Across the street at Tower 2, more than 2,700 employees of Morgan Stanley were told by building officials to stay calm and remain in the building. Rick Rescorla was in charge of security at Morgan Stanley, and he ignored the official warning. Rick began the evacuation of all Morgan Stanley employees in Tower 2 and 1,000 employees in Tower 5. Again, Claude, he ignored the warning to stay in the building. He knew better. A lot of people didn't. People at Morgan Stanley were lucky to have Rick Rescorla. He had trained these guys, these Morgan Stanley employees, these hotshot, you know, investment types. Uh, he drilled them every couple of months to go down the stairs. Of course, they grumbled and complained like hell. But it came in handy that day, put it mildly. Uh, panic started, but Rescorla urged people to stay calm. And he began singing God Bless America and Cornish military songs over his bullhorns. At 9.03, remember, he got the warning at 8.46, but at 9.03, United Airlines Flight 175 struck Tower 2. Uh, Rick Rescorla had rescued almost all of Morgan Stanley's employees, but there were still others in the building. As other workers warned Rescorla that he had to evacuate now, he replied, as soon as I make sure everyone else is out. He went back in the building. He was last seen on the 10th floor of Tower 2, heading up the stairs, up the stairs. Mm-hmm to rescue more people. Unbelievable. Because of his response, all but six of Morgan Stanley's 2,700 World Trade Center employees survived. Wow. Four of those six were Rescorla and three deputies who followed him back into the building. Wesley Mercer, Jorge Valasquez, and Godwin Ford. Anyway, to those who knew Rescorla, it was as if his entire life had prepared him for those few precious minutes. His wife, Susan, his widow now, said he lived by a code. He had his own philosophy, and he used to say to me, you declare what you're about when you're young, and you try to stay on that road so that at the end of your life, you know you did the very best you could. Interesting history, Claude. I don't know if you remember this. He was born in Cornwall, Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, he, uh, you know, became military all his life. He enlisted in the British Army as a young man, served with distinction in Cyprus and Rhodesia. After his service in Britain, he moved to the United States and uh, he joined the uh, U.S. military, the Army. He was a platoon leader in the 2nd Battalion of the United States Army in Vietnam. Rick Rescorl again distinguished himself as a fearless leader. He often sang military hymns, common soldiers, just as he did decades later on September 11th. He returned from Vietnam with a silver star, the bronze star with oak leaf cluster, a purple heart, and the Vietnamese cross of gallantry. In 1972, Rescorla married his first wife, Betsy. They had two children and moved around from South Carolina to Chicago to New Jersey while Rescorla worked various security jobs. Listen to this, Claude, ladies and gentlemen. In 1992, Rick Rescorla warned the Port Authority of New York City, the owners of the World Trade Center, about the possibility of someone using a truck bomb to attack the pillars of the towers in the basement parking garage. But they ignored him. 1993 used that exact method. Rescorla was vital in the evacuation of the building and was the last man out. That was 93. A lot of people forget that early prediction of Rick that was exactly on target. Mm -hmm. After the 93 attack, Rescorla believed there would be another attack, and this time it could be a plane. How do you know all this, Claude? How do you know all this? Wow, yeah. Used as a gigantic missile crashing into the towers. He recommended to Morgan Stanley that the company leave Manhattan and relocate to New Jersey. He was ignored. But at his insistence, Rescorla had all employees, including senior executives, practice emergency evacuations every three months. Boy, I'll bet they were irritated by that. In 1997, Rick Rescorla became director of security for Morgan Stanley, headquarters in the World Trade Center. After a battle with prostate cancer and his divorce from his wife, Betsy, Rescorla met Susan, and the two married in 1999. On that infamous September morning, 9-11, Rick Rescorla called his wife, Susan, to tell her what was happening. I was hysterical, recalled Susan. Stop crying, he said. I have to get my people out. Susan described how very methodically, calmly, and lovingly he explained the situation to her. He said this, if something should happen to me, I want you to know that you made my life. Then, of course, I said that to him, and the phone went dead. Rescorla had to finish his mission. He had to do what they call in the military, doing the last sweep, making sure that everyone was out, explained Susan. Rick's remains were never found after the collapse of the towers. Susan's marriage to Rick was cut off after only two years, but it was an unforgettable two years. As she says, he was a man for all seasons, giving and thoughtful. Our relationship was as if we had known each other forever and ever. We were inseparable and wanted to spend every moment together when we were not working, remembered Susan. I do not want America to forget Rick Rescorla. But even more than that, I don't want America to forget what happened on 9-11, said Susan. That's Rick Rescorla's story. We have stayed in touch with Susan Rescorla, and what follows is a brief phone call with her on September 9th, two days before 9-11. Please listen. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Susan Rescorla, good morning. Please let me tell you this. In 20 years, you are the only person who has asked me about my husband on this day. Really? Yes, I would like to say that to you. We were wondering whether we'd get through. Yeah, well, you got through, okay, because nobody's paying any attention, let me tell you. I think it's very interesting, and I I appreciate so much. So please ask me some questions. (laughs) I've been watching Fox. They're paying a lot of attention to 9-11. Yes. Uh, 
a lot of you know, drawing up of memories and of footage, uh, video stuff, talking to firefighters, etc. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am surprised that no one has talked to you about Rick. And no, they have not. And, and, and so what I decided this year, you know, every year for 19 years, I sat here by myself because I wanted to and received phone calls. This is the first year that I said I am... My husband is, has been dead a long time. I want to honor him. I, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm so happy that I had him the time I did. So I invited 30 people from around the United States who, who I know that will touch his life and my life. I have four firemen coming that were there on that day that have become my friends over the years. I have one person who was with him in Vietnam who was his um, medic was, is coming. I have uh, someone who was in Afghanistan that I uh, that I um, was in contact with for a very long time. So he and his whole um, all of the the, the the soldiers that were with him in, during that time, and he's coming. And now he is a curator of the uh, of the museum down at Fort Benning, Georgia. And all Rick's memorabilia, which is quite a lot, is is down there now, and it's going to be shown probably in the next couple of months. But anyway, each person I picked, and each person said they are coming. His son and daughter are coming uh my daughter uh, one of my daughters is and um like all these other people like i say that um over the years have you know that i know that they want to honor rick as as i do so anyway and they're coming from all over they're coming you know they're coming from uh, from down to florida to georgia and, and all the way up so that's wonderful. Yeah. Can you get us a group picture and, and send it to send it to us? Sure. When they come about eleven o'clock in the morning, I'm taking them someplace that is only about ten minutes from my house, and it's it's a, a beautiful um, shrine. And actually, a very wealthy person here years ago, and I didn't even know this, uh, spent the money. And there's a bell tower, bell tower, so everyone will ring the bell as they go past. And every single person who was murdered on that day's name is on a stone plaque. And so we will be able to go down and where Rick's is, they they can leave you know little notes or whatever they want to. And then and then the next day on on 9/11, uh, they're going to be at my house again, and I'm taking them to the Raptor Trust where my husband loves the Eagles and before he died maybe you remember me telling you this a long time ago um, how Rick said to me if something happens to me I want you to try to memorialize the Eagles cage and because I had no body that was the perfect place and that's where I go Tell the audience what the eagle cage is. Okay, well, the Raptor Trust is a place where people can bring birds to be rehabilitated. And Rick took me there, I guess, the the last couple of months of his life. And he was very specific in telling and saying to me how much he loved these eagles. And believe it or not, he was saying if something happened to him, that he would like to have me memorialize that cage. I went home and I wrote down everything he told me to say, and that's, that's where we're going, and it's, it's a wonderful see. place. Yes. What do you think of uh, how we are remembering 9/11 as a country overall? It, maybe it's more than it has been. I don't know, but as far as I'm concerned, you can never honor them. You you can never you, you know you would never be able to yeah. to do it as it should be. Let me tell you, there were so many people on that day that gave up their that gave up their lives and everything else, and um and that we will never forget. But a lot of people have forgotten, so that's very sad. And a lot of people don't know. I was, uh, you know, you know, I, my background in education, Secretary of Education, former Secretary of Education. A lot yes. of kids don't know about it at all. They just no. don't know at all. Yes, and I'm con- I'm very concerned about young people because they need to know more of it too, and they need to also to be. I, I just want to pr- put this in um, a very good a, a woman that was getting was do- finishing her um, 
she was getting her degree and she was going to be teaching at a college. And so she asked me if she could use the evac the Rick's evacuation of the South Tower that he did with some other men. Anyway, he, she's using that in her classroom without telling them what it is about so that at the end of the course, they will know what they have to do and everybody needs to be, you know, everybody needs to be watching all the time. Let's, let's face it. We have to be more... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, than ever before. Good. And what do you think about the current situation in Afghanistan? I think it's abominable. I think it's awful. Right. I, I, I'm so angry, I can't even tell you. I mean, people have asked me, rather, more people in England have, have interviewed me than, I, as I just said to you, in the United States. In, in, in his hometown, they are doing everything and, and going all out, and they are all asking me the right questions. So I'm very disappointed with what's happening, yes. Yeah, uh, Taliban is in control, and 20 years ago, Taliban and Al-Qaeda were in control, and mm -hmm. now maybe they're stronger. I just think that it's going to happen again, and I think that it's awful. And am I, am oh. I concerned and afraid? Yes. Yes. All right, listen, we will leave it at that. We wanted to hear your voice. I wanted to hear your voice. I know this audience wanted to hear your voice. You're my friend forever. Thank you for doing this today. That does it for today's show. Catch up on previous episodes of the show. Go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. 